to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business, and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forbes Factor. What a wonderful week. If you're listening to me live, we're heading into the fall season, and it's so interesting how you can feel all of that, that energy I'm feeling the Halloween. I do have a fun announcement. Um, many years ago, I, I've always been a health and fitness expert, a nut. I'm in the National Fitness Hall of Fame. You guys know I created my handy-dandy fitness product that I go nowhere without called the Spin Gym. But I have beautiful twins. And a funny thing happened on the way to Halloween. I used to love Halloween. I loved dressing up. Uh, it was one of my favorite holidays as a kid. And then the twins, good little getters, because they follow their mom, and they come home with buckets of candy, which would sit around my house. And I apparently have no willpower. Yep, no. I mean, you put a Snickers bar or a Reese's Pieces cup or some peanut M&Ms, and I'm nuts. And they would just sit there and I would feel guilty about it. I want to throw it out and I didn't want to give it to other people. So I would end up eating it. And by November, you know, I would notice the pounds creeping on and I don't like candy anyway. And I'm just indulging. Anybody have that problem with sugar? Yeah. And so I sat around and I wrote this poem one day. And I wrote a story because I was very big about psychologically raising my kids to make their own decisions. And I didn't want to say, no, candy's bad for you. And so we created a thing called the Candy Witch. And the Candy Witch is this beautiful story of a little princess who had everything, but she had a sweet tooth. And what happened was all of the, the townspeople would give her candy and, and shower her with these. And she kept eating and eating it. Her teeth fell out and she went from being this beautiful princess to looking rather ugly with no teeth and saggy skin. And she made a wish and it came true. And what happened was that she became the Candy Witch. And what she would do to retain her beauty was on Halloween night, she would fly around and scoop up all the candy from kids who didn't want it. They could, kids could save five pieces each and she would put money in place so they could buy something else. Well, I wrote the book and I read it to all my kids and all the schools and everyone loved it. And I kept thinking, you shouldn't illustrate this. You should put it out there. Well, last year I did. And today I'm putting it up on Amazon for the first time. I always sold it on my own. And I, I you know, if you're on the radio, you don't get to see this. But I think it's one of the cutest things that you will ever see. And so I'm going to find the little link and share it to my, just so that everybody on Facebook can see this. And if you want to come see the visual of what we're looking at, you want to go to my Facebook page. It's facebook.com Forbes Riley fan page. It's where we simulcast. I think we've got a million and a half people out there. And I want you to check this out and tell me if this is not the absolute cutest cover in the entire world. Uh, I can share it to my Zoom audience. Here we go. Wait, there's my, <laughs> here's my Zoom. Here's my share. Take a look at this and tell me if that is not, let's see if I can make it a little smaller. Uh, can we make it a little smaller so you guys can see it? Maybe not, but there's the candy, which there's the beginning of the illustration. Michelle, what do you think about that? And you can see it in the back. That That's the first page of the book. I think it's adorable. That is absolutely adorable. Oh my goodness. And, and every page is illustrated in every piece of this. Let's see if we can just scroll down to find my candy, witch. I just think it's one of the, there she is. There she is looking beautiful. <laughs> every little girl, every little princess should look. 
And wait, where does she get when she's all haggard and she looks terrible? Oh, see all that candy that just makes me crazy every Halloween. And oh, look what happened to the beautiful bow. That's not good. So you guys at home can all see that. And I will tell you what it did for me and my kids was to establish the theme of what today's show is. And it's about personal empowerment and finding a balance in your life. And so rather than tell my twins it's bad, I let them understand how to make amazing decisions for themselves. So who do you empower in your life? And it's a very important concept that we're going to focus on today. Not only female empowerment, empowerment in the workplace, empowerment as part of your relationship. How do you stay in power, empower other people? And I've got quite a, a distinct philosophy on this, and I'm very excited to share that. I'm also excited to introduce my guest. And my guest did something very special. She started out our relationship as a student of mine, uh, learning the art of pitching. The other thing I have to share with you guys, and I'm going to be talking about it over and over and over again, please don't get tired of it. But in January, I'm launching my next book, and it's called The ABCs of Pitching. It is the fundamental, the basics. Everyone's always asking me for this book, and I never laid it out. And it's beautiful. It's 26 very distinct chapters about the terminology involved in the art of getting what you want. Most people never get what they want. My kids and I live in a place of almost always getting what you want. What's the difference? It's how you pitch it. It's how you talk about it. It's how you involve. And Christian writes, can we pre-order the book? Oh, yes, you can, my darling. We are launching. I think we're going to talk about it tonight in Mastermind. And yes, yes, uh, Christian, I bought myself four copies. Christian's so funny. So I'm excited about that. And again, how do you empower other people? I have this distinct philosophy that you should be able to get what you want in life. However, you should also give more than you get. And so when you follow these principles, I'll share a quick little story before I introduce my, my guest. I was at an event this week and someone did something. Do you ask, answer me this question? I have a lot of people listening right now and writing in on Facebook. Do you expect people to do good things for you or bad things for you? When you're in a relationship, do you expect to be disappointed and go, oh yeah, there it goes again. It always happens that way for me. Or do you expect people to be wonderful? I'm just really curious. And if you guys would chime in, uh, I've got lots of people watching. I've got John and April and, and Jenna. What do you expect when you meet someone, good or bad? I'm going to say that I've been disappointed a lot in my life. And that's neither good nor bad because I take life happens that life happens for you, not to you. And so that when it happens for you, even the bad things become lessons. Okay. Well, this was a, a really surprising lesson. I'm teaching how to speak on stage and we're in Las Vegas and believe we rented a formal theater to have everyone on stage. It's where Carrot Top performs his comedy show. He's been there for a decade, brilliant space. And it just feels so, so thrilling to walk onto a, a Vegas stage and be a speaker. There was a gentleman there who's going to be a radio show guest of mine soon. I won't surprise who he is, but young man. And he was also just a guest speaker. And I laid out my spin gyms after my presentation. And people love to buy my little spin gyms and buy my books. And he walked up to the table and he said, I would like to buy all of them. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, yeah, I want to buy all of them. And then I want to give them to the audience. I thought, what? Really? And then later that afternoon, I had permission cards. He looked at them and he said, I want to buy all of those. I give them out. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Who does this? I don't even know you that well. He said, Forbes, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I just want to do this for you. And then, and this is the coolest part. I've never seen anyone do this. We were doing a little safe Facebook live. 
and my phone died. And he had a team of people there. He said, give, give me your phone, we'll charge it. I said, sure, okay, gave him my phone. An hour later, his team member comes over and she hands me, and I'm gonna show my audience here, a phone case with a charger built into it in pink. They took the little thing off my old phone, the little place that holds my credit cards, stuck it onto this and handed me this gift of a brand new phone with a battery attached to it. And I thought, who does that? Who does that? And so I'm so excited by what he did. And I'm hoping that lesson that maybe you can do that for someone else. I used to do this when I would go to a Starbucks or even sometimes at the toll booth when there was a real person taking your toll. And I would arbitrarily pay for the person behind me so that when they pulled up, they would hear the woman say, no, no, she paid for you. I don't even know. I thought, oh, that's really cool. But this was such a moment. Now I'm listening to Joel writes, people here are so disappointing that you can have no expectation. That's right. I think we've set up a society where we're expecting to be disappointed. So I'm going to share this love and light care of this beautiful, amazing man that you will meet at some point on my show. But right now, let's go back to my birthday party last year. We raised money to feed American children. And two years ago, we raised about 20 some odd thousand dollars. This year, we pretty much did that as well from beautiful people who attended my Zoom birthday party. And Michelle was one of those people who said, you know what, I would like to contribute. And just out of the goodness of her heart, and so she's on my radio show as a guest, because she also has a huge message. But what a lovely, wonderful woman I would like you to meet, Michelle Rheinglass. How are you? Wait, you're muted, my girl. Unmute. You think I'd learn, right? <laughs> no, no, I do it all the time. I am so honored to be on the show with you. You are my, my idol and I've learned so, so much from you. And it's you still, no matter, no matter what it is, a, a mastermind or whatever, we're learning still. So thank you so much. Well, I so appreciate that. So just take us back to that moment. You're at the birthday party and I, I put this offer up and I said, who would like, and it's not, a, it was like a lot of money, a lot of money. And you just, you jumped in. What inspired you to do that? Well, it's funny that you say that. Um, the uh, Tony Robbins lists Feed America as one of his, you know, charities, and I've never donated to them. I've, I'm, I'm one of those who've donated to all the smaller ones that don't get as much traction. I can't even tell you how many places I donate to. So I thought, you know what, this is a really good one, and I'm really glad she's doing this for the, her birthday. And so I just I'm doing it. So, well, and I appreciate that. And the other observation about my birthday, which my daughter had, because she usually celebrates it with me. And now that we've been doing this Zoom on camera, we have a lot of students. And I, I've, and it happened during COVID. That was the first time I did a Zoom birthday party, which made total sense because we were not a home alone. And the other cool thing about being home for your Zoom birthday party is that nobody dri was driving drunk. My kids couldn't go. <laughs> No, but I really thought about these things because of COVID had just hit, it's the end of April. And my twins were like, hey, mom, we love you. Happy birthday, blow out the candles and went right upstairs. They had to celebrate with me. They could not leave the house. And I thought this was just spectacular. And then maybe it's because lockdown was such a weird thing for us, but I had some beautiful people show up, including Elaine LaLanne, Jack LaLanne's wife showed up, Les Brown showed up. And then one of my friends, I've only met him a couple of times, but I'm a huge, I, I love movie stars. I just grew up idolizing people on a big screen. And Patrick Wilson, who plays the brother in Aquaman, showed up and wished me a happy birthday. And I'm like, oh, now if George Clooney would do that, life would be just <laughs> perfect. <laughs> next year. <laughs> That's what we need to get. George Clooney. 
So yes, it was absolutely lovely. And I want to thank you. So Michelle, you are one of my curious professions, or you were, I was going to go to law school when I graduated, or that's what I wanted to be when I was eight years old. Turns out I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to play a lawyer on TV, like Perry Mason. Oh, I love the courtroom drama. If I could do that, in fact, I just watched the new series called Lincoln Lawyer. And I'm like, oh man, I remember why I used to love mock courts. And it's really fun. Uh, When I got there, I'm like, oh, that's a whole lot of reading. I'm not doing that. (laughs) But you became a lawyer. So tell my beautiful audience about you. God. So, um, yeah, I did. I actually didn't intend to be a lawyer. And uh, it's a whole long story we don't have time for, but it was due to a jealous former fiance. Notice the former. <clears throat> and uh, so I, my life is always these twists and turns. And I didn't, didn't intend to be a mediator, but I'm a mediator now. And that was because of two people getting on a phone and calling me. <clears throat> so just I kind of go where things um, drive, drive me. But so I was, I worked my way up to, you know, ultimately I went through banking and everything and I was an accomplished woman attorney and, uh, for several years, but I was constantly striving to be better. I was constantly striving to have respect. Um, it was really like, it was one of those things where the amount you have to keep working harder and harder just to be maybe equal or considered equal, equal. Um, people would seat me in the seat for the court reporter in a deposition and you know, say, oh, you're a lawyer. And so it was kind of like that for a while. So what, as I found out with my fellow fella uh, lawyers, it, we, we were all working like double, triple, quadruple, you know, than anyone else was just trying to be better. And so what it led to was me living in just absolute imbalance. And I know that uh, like other women, you know, we all share, or many of us share, I think the majority of us share that kind of constant striving daily to be better, to, you know, to be your best self, as well as just getting respect as for what you do. So um, as a matter of fact, uh, I'll I'll tell you this one situation. So I was transitioning, I was thinking of transitioning from being a lawyer to a mediator. And so my, one of my good friends said, Michelle, you can't make a major career like decision like that unless you talk to Susan, my friend, Susan, she's a psychologist. I go, what? And he goes, no, no, she's a, she's a a business coach now, but she's got the psychology background. She's perfect. I said, great. So I make an appointment with her. I've never met this woman. Uh, she, I come in and she says, so what are you here for? And I said, well, I've been a lawyer for a long time. I've got this opportunity. You know, my companies were trying to get me to go full-time as a mediator. I said, I've got this opportunity and I start telling her about it, all of a sudden she just goes, stop. She screamed at the top of her, stop, stop, stop. And I'm just like freaking out. You know, I go, what did I do wrong? And she goes, she goes, you're in no condition to make a major life decision. I'm like, what? And I'm like puzzled. And she goes, you're exhausted. And I dissolved into tears. Um, And I just sat there sobbing. I didn't even know where that came from. But she just went, she just knew. And so she goes, that's what I'm saying. You've been holding this all in and you've just been working like crazy. Now I'll tell you the next thing she did. <clears throat> she said, well, after some talking and everything, and she, and I think I ended up working with her. And so we, we had, she wanted me to get a calendar. So we got this plastic calendar and she has me, she goes, I want you to write everything on your calendar right now. <clears throat> he goes, she goes, but stop. She's good at stop. She said, I want you to draw a line from where you're writing to the end of the time it will take you. I said, yeah, 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 got that. So I start doing one and she goes, is that truthful? 
I move my hand a little bit down further. She goes, is that truthful? So by the time we got done with that exercise, I was realizing for the first time that my days took me until two to three in the morning the following day, every single day. <clears throat> and so you can imagine where's the sleep part in there. And so that's- so Where's the relationship part? Where's the love part? Oh, there was the self-love. I was studying all these things, you know, for balance, self-love and, you know, these, I was doing meditation. I was getting manicure pedicures. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I'm loving me, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so. We, I, we have one minute to break. So what we're talking about right now, this is fascinating to me, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more. We, we have commercials, we have sponsors, and I want to honor them as well as honoring everybody. Christian loves your necklace, by the way. He's watching live. We'll hear the story about that. And also just, you know, you talked about this male-female energy. I was on Clubhouse all night last night in this massive discussion about men and women and money. So we're going to come right back after this message. You guys, I'm Forbes Riley, and you're watching or listening to The Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness, how to make it all work, and what kind of balance you've got in your life. Hmm. Don't go away. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel this is the voice america influencers channel be inspired you are listening to the forbes factor to call in with a question or comment please call 1-866-472-5795 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So I'm here with Michelle Wineglass. And one of the things that we're focusing on today, the, the theme of this happens to be female empowerment. And in her career choices, she's gone from being a lawyer to a mediator. But I just want to unpack a little bit what the, how the lawyer thing started. Turns out to be a good story. We did that off camera. So we're going to let you guys in on what we're talking about. So you have this fiance. You're math made. You're doing great in school. And yeah, I was doing I actually did all my math required math courses in the first two and a half years of college. So I'm doing these. I'm kind of floating, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. What I was telling Forbes is when I started, I was intending to be a math professor. And at orientation, they said, by the way, all teaching jobs have dried up. Start looking for other careers. And I went, Whoa. wait, I'm sorry. Who wants to be a math? I mean, I couldn't wait to get out of math class. Who wants to be a math teacher? What is that? What's going on? What goes on in your brain? <laughs> I, I have a very analytical mind. It's in fact, it's crazy. It's I don't even want to. I wouldn't even open that door for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, math. Okay, I loved math. It was a language. I just loved it. It and I'll tell you what. It was one of the hardest subjects I had, other than like constitutional law, kind of or not constitutional uh, history, the history law. It was like they got into all the back stuff, and I was like totally not interested back then. Now I'm fascinated by it, but. No, I just, it was my, it was challenging. And I think once I was sort of broke that barrier and finally understood it, it was a language I loved. And what did your your parents do for a living? uh, My dad owned foreign car parts stores and he comes from an automotive background. He and his, the whole family, some of them have emigrated, you know, and all that stuff. And so they just all ended up doing selling tires or cars or whatever. And he ended up with 13 uh, foreign auto parts stores. And by the way, I was supposed to be a boy when I was born. And I learned that getting opening up my, you know, how parents stuff these things in a closet and you never find it until the kid who's curious, you know, nosy finds it. So all the cards were like, hey, sorry, Darwin or you didn't get your boy. And I'm like, what? Because this is before amniocentesis. So, you know, now everybody can tell the gender. <laughs> so I was my dad's boy. And he took me to the races. He took me to work. I even saw all the pinup ca- calendars, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know. That's very funny. I actually saw my dad's dirty magazines. Under, it used to be Screw Magazine. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so the firstborn boys over here who look a lot like girls. <laughs> Right, so now you've got this fiance, you're in college, so, you're out of college, and? So I'm a fiance. This is the first time we're separated. We, we, we were in high school together, and now we're in college, and he didn't get into that much, the school I did, and so he was doing uh, junior college and then transferring over. So he transfers over, and then he says, still at a different college, and he's convinced. By the way, I've worked since I was 13 years old. I have you know put myself through school, and so you know I just was used I'm I'm not idle. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of free time. So I'm working and he is always, he was so insanely jealous. I won't go into detail because it's unnecessary, but it was just so incredibly, I had to like hide if my phone rang and, or if it was a guy buddy, they, they all knew they had to hang up, <laughs> you know, if he, cause he would pick up the phone or something. But anyway, he was so insanely jealous. He came up with this bright idea. Let's do a night class together and you'll come to my college at night, you know, and we'll do it for, you know, however many semesters. So semester one, we did accounting for a math major. That is crazy making, absolutely crazy making. You mean you just throw in a bunch of things at random. And I mean, that's how it sounded to me. So I made it through the class, you know, but I'm, I'm not getting credit for this. The next one was economics. You know, it was kind of boring then, but I have to say it was, it's fascinating now. And I wish I, and you talk about money so much. <laughs> I'm really, 
Yeah, there's much to learn. So, but the third semester was on business law and it was about widgets and contracts and I couldn't have been more interested. Oh my goodness. So I just fell in love with it. And then this friend who'd been encouraging me to go to law school, another guy buddy, I had to hide from him because I can't have a guy buddy. And so he's the one that talked me into it. And I went and I applied. Okay. So here's how you pitch that story. You pretty much say I'm a legitimate legally blonde. Elle got through law school on a dare, right? Okay, Okay. I'm writing that down. That's going to be my next. (laughs) Last legally blonde. Okay, and if you can see her on Voice America, she is absolutely blonde and adorable and tiny, and she could be. Then who knows? All right. So now, did you really want to be a lawyer, though? Was that exciting for you to do? It was. That was after the widgets. If it hadn't been for the widgets, I'm sorry, it was just the widgets. But, you know, the things I was learning and, you know, and and what happens if a sharecropper, you know, mows down, is flying over someone's yard and they they spray somewhere the wrong place, you know, and there's a contract for this. It was just one of those things. It was puzzles. It was puzzles. So I can't do puzzles worth ST. You know, and I get it. I, I, I do. You know, it's funny because I mean, I do contracts all the time. Uh, as a television spokesperson, I probably have, I used to have between 50 and 80 jobs a year. All of them had their own unique contract. And uh, at some point I didn't do, like dealing with lawyers. I just figured out all the language and all, you know, it's annoying because like lawyers, I think created their own language so that we have to pay them a lot of money per hour to decipher what's being said. And then if you've ever been through a lawsuit of which I've been through many, uh, none against me, but I, when I see a wrong, I am happy to sue. Uh, or not getting paid or, and what it came down to, and this is fascinating for the layman does not know this. Number one, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. And at one point I was owed an amount of money and the guy said, well, I can't pay this, but I promise to pay you, let's say 10,000 more. When it got to the, the, the judge, he was like, I don't care. That's not written. I'm like, but that's what we agreed to. And so I learned a lot about writing what signatures mean on a piece of paper, the kind of legally binding thing about signing your name, uh, and just a lot of little ins and outs that some still don't make sense to me. I mean, I owned a bingo hall at some point, physical bingo hall. We put up a, I know, it's a whole nother story too. How does Forbes Riley own a bingo hall? that one. <laughs> I know. And we had a thing on the floor said, watch out, wet floor. A woman walked across it, slipped and fell. Clearly said, wet floor, don't walk here. We ended up having to pay her $40,000. And part of me thinks that our system is so bizarre and it's not, it's not even corrupt. It's just weird that, that it incentivizes people to take advantage of other people. Do you agree? It can happen. And I, I'll see that every once in a while, but for the most part, again, I'm a mediator now. So, you know, what I've seen is people in pain on both sides, by the way, you know, so, and, you know, a lot of people think everybody's like, you know, you know, corrupt or they're just, you know, manipulating. And I lo- oh, go ahead and let everybody vent. Um, sometimes, by the way, I will secretly understand that that may be the case, but I'm neutral. I'm Switzerland. You know? <laughs> I'm so not neutral. There of all the jobs. And I remember when my kids were little, you like, what kind of job would you be? Not a, my son. Great job. Not a judge. I'm opinionated. I'm right. And I'll fight you. <laughs> How do you, how does it become a mediator? Why, why do that? Oh my goodness. I get complimented on being patient and I laugh at that every time. I'm the most impatient person. And it's just something when it's not my own situation, I just am able to do that. So it's a whole different, it's a whole different vibe when you're there. And I, 
I, I, I, I'll say this, this is my woo woo stuff. Um, this year, thanks to a person named Jackie Freeman, um, I was able to get certified as a Reiki master. Um, I still feel like, you know, inadequate in that, but you know, I'm, I'm, I was able to help heal my cat from kidney disease. Um, so, you know, I think it really, really does work. But so, and it was funny, a couple different places where they have you do little, not like where we were, we were trying to think it was a store that sold some stuff with a bunch of us on the retreat we're doing. So they have this thing where they can tell you, you know, what you, what you, what you are. So I kept coming back, I'm a healer. And I'm like, I'm not a healer, you know, it's just that it's one of those things. It's, you know, so when I'm in mediations, I kind of go, I, I realized I'm, I don't, and I'm a, I don't have children. So I think I go into mama mode a lot, you know, sort of like for anyone. And I get a lot of younger people and, you know, and there's a lot of sexual abuse and stuff, the cat cases like that, you know, they're really sad. And, you know, so it's just, it comes out. And I think by now people have figured out my style. <laughs> Um, and, um, so it's just, you want to help people. And, and I always tell everybody my, I have two goals coming into a mediation. Uh, I call myself multi-purpose cause my life is not like a linear kind of thing, but so, but in my mediation world, you know, I tell people that I have two goals. One is of course to settle your case, but the other one is for you to walk out of here feeling better and being better than you were when you walked in, you know? And so that's, you know, the, that weird stuff there. <laughs> I, I want to go back uh, and talk a little bit, but you, you touched on this, but you slid over. We were talking last night on Clubhouse about male and female inequality. Mm -hmm. we're all striving for as we move into this, this, these years of where we are now. Um, when you were a lawyer, how was it as a female lawyer? Interesting. Um, I come from ba banking and the sexual harassment was just all over the place. We, we got our first female loan officer. So those of us who were tellers were kind of excited, you know, and all that. So I go and I was used to and I, I dealt with all that crapola part. Sorry. Well, no, but wait, what are you referring? Let's assume that we don't know what crapola means for us. What are you talking okay. about? It's the, the being harassed on a daily basis. You know, it was like regular. And and by the way, I mean, the guys were otherwise nice. They just would say things, you know, and they like the tall ones would stand and look down your try to look down your blouse and say, you know, weird things. I won't even just go into that. Well, no, so no, no, that, no, you should go into because we're that's it's an interesting conversation. They would stand and look down your blouse and say what? Like one of them would say healthy, healthy as he's staring down there. Okay. I I ended up retaliating again by by being flippant. And so I would make something, you know, comment back. And I started realizing these are my bosses. I need to be a little more careful than this. But I think they knew I kind of stood up against them when they would do that. But they'd still do it because they, I would make it fun or funny, you know, like a joke back to them. And so they would take it. By the way, I don't think there was any of them would have even noticed if I'd made a criticism or something like it was real. So, but with that, I'll tell you, I have, I, I'm trying not to use up too much time here, but what, one of the hap, the biggest thing that happened to me in banking was I, I, I got, there was a job opening for a law clerk and I was in a, my last year of law school and every, every lunch break, all my, my, my school books were always on my desk because I was studying every single time I was in, um, you know, had lunch break. And so um, I saw an ad or maybe somebody notified me. I don't remember how I learned it, but there was an opening for a law clerk, which is the lowest level you can be, but it's the first step into law, law. And I wanted to learn that. So I applied and I got hired. So I was training, I was doing new accounts and I was being trained for a consumer loans. So I trained my replacement 
they had my going away party on a Friday and the head of personnel shows up at the end of my party. And I just remember him hoisting himself up on my desk. <laughs> and he said, Michelle, I've got good news and bad news. And I said, immediately I go, what's the bad news? And he said, well, don't worry about it. It's not a really bad news. Just, you know, we're ready for you. Um, they're just not ready for you to be a law clerk. So they'd like you to start as a legal secretary. And I said, I'm sorry, what? I said, I, the job opening was law clerk. And he said, yeah, and you'll get that eventually. They'll, you know, and so we went back and forth arguing. And then he said, look, just start as a legal secretary and you know, you'll work your way into. And I go, do you understand the law clerk is the lowest job possible? I'm, I'm, I want this for my career. And he just said, he said, come back. And I said, or, or he said, start on Monday. And I said, as a law clerk. And he goes, no, as a legal secretary. I burst into tears, <laughs> I got crazy. I said, I quit and I grabbed my things and I ran out. And uh, I drove immediately over to my law school back then for all of you around here, I'm gonna probably age myself here, but we had a cork board with little stick, stick pins and little index cards and uh, jobs wanted or jobs you know, offered. So I found a job with a lawyer and uh, he hired me immediately and I uh, went to work. Uh, the good news was he was brilliant and I learned everything you can imagine learning, but he was a serious alcoholic. That was my first time being exposed to that on a regular basis. And so the days he was there, I got to learn his brilliance. The days he wasn't there, um, I was running his office. And there was one day where I had to sign an appellate brief. Now I'm getting close to, I've only a little bit, like I think a semester short of my, before I take the bar exam. And he, uh, he was gone and I couldn't get him. I said, draft, I researched, drafted, you know, so I had to sign it. I went over to my, our landlord was a lawyer. I said, and I told him what was going on. He goes, I said, I don't want to be disbarred right after, <laughs> you know, he goes, he goes, I'm looking the other way. You do what you need to do. So, but anyway, like I said, when I, it, it all worked out, I always think every single, every obstacle in my life that I can even remember has turned into blessings and I'm, just so grateful for everything. So by the time I took the bar exam, I felt like I was just doing my work. And so it felt natural to me and I passed on the first try. So, and I don't know if that would have happened, you know, without not having had that experience. So anyway, I'm indebted to that. Well, but because this is part of what needs to be exposed, just that story. And I've got some people here going, how come, you know, have you, have you written a book? What is harassment? And Harass and it's an interesting conversation because as an actress, I was chased around a lot of desks. Uh, I never got caught. I made a decision to myself that, and it was my own choice that said, I'm not going to put out for a job. That's just not in my lexicon of thinking. It would have disappointed my parents. And that was one of the things that was most important to me. So the things I missed out on uh, and it's some, but ironically, here's what it led to. And I didn't admit this until 30 years after I did it, but I, you need an agent, you need a manager, you need someone looking at what's called the breakdowns every day and submitting you for roles and then calling and making sure you get them and then negotiating the contracts. And I said, screw it. If I can't find someone to not chase me around a desk or invite me to lunch, that's not done in the restaurant, but in their hotel room, which happened more than I can tell you, I got a piece of stationery. This is how old I am. Wrote <laughs> on it, CMA creative, Ma I mimeographed it and called it creative management for artists. And I hired a woman named Lindsay Maxwell. She was very British, a little bit older. And she thought Forbes Riley was just the most wonderful actress. Oh, my God. She could tell you everything about Forbes Riley because she was Forbes Riley. I knew me. 
and I was using my acting skills. I did that for three years. I got soap operas. I got commercial. At some point, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop representing me, because number one, I was my only client. And when you are with a real manager, they have lots of different people they have to pay attention to. My manager only paid attention to me, and I worked like a bandit. And then at some point, I had to stop. And the truth, the truth of it is, at some point, somebody said to me, "Is this Forbes?" And I'm like, "No." no. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> really, out of the most embarrassing moment in my life, I sat there going, what do you do now? <laughs> guys, we have two minutes to a break. I'm hoping this is exciting to you. When I come back, I do want to talk about this issue because- I want it to. It's important. It is important because it's hard to define. Um, and, you know, what is no? When do you do things or don't do things? And if you wear a very short skirt and a low cut blouse, is a man entitled to? I, I, I don't know the answer to any of these questions, by the way, but I do love your mediator. We'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about this. Uh, we'll be right back after this break talking about sexual harassment with Michelle. <laughs> All right. Don't go away. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Listening to the Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey guys, I will tell you the time has flown by. We're down to our last segment here. We were just talking about. Uh, on the break, we talked about one of our, our, our beautiful listeners, my dear friend Christian Von Hauser writes, would you take a man if he was accused of sexual harassment as a woman? And, and Michelle was telling us this story about she took on three men who were being harassed by another man. The, and that's the story? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what happened? The, we actually ended up having to go to trial 
and we won. <clears throat> now, I will tell you what did happen. <clears throat> I t when you're working with a jury, you have to, you know, first of all, of course, they're judging whether, you know, you're going to be telling them truth or, you know, BS stuff. So, you know, but they li live with you for the trial. It was a two-month trial, and we win. But in the beginning, during what we call voir dire, this is where you're doing, you're, you're vetting the, the jurors and, and everything. Um, I was I was aware that they could be biased against a male who is bringing a sexual harassment claim or or think that he doesn't he doesn't hurt as much as a woman. So I asked those kinds of questions and I got answers that were very genuine. You know, no, we, we, we would treat it just on its own. But they admitted at the end, I said, you know, it just was hard, you know, seeing a picturing a guy crying or picturing a guy, you know, upset about that. And uh, so we did win. Um, we got a large verdict. It just wasn't as large as they probably deserved. Oh, um, really, that brings up an interesting case. You brought, you got a large verdict against this guy. Did the guy have money that you sued? It was against a school because it was these were these were all at a employees of this school. And I'll tell you what, just one side note, and I know we're limited on time. The school director was informed of all this, not with the first person, but with the second person. The first person he was told, he said, don't ever mention that again, and you'll lose your job if you do. The second one, it happened in a van, and it was very physical. So um, that was there were whole too many witnesses, so that got noted. And then they let the guy stay working with my clients for 10 more months. And so they didn't handle it right. So that's the school was definitely culpable no matter what. Um, so. so here's an interesting question. We all get wronged. We all think that we're wrong. And here's the first thing you hear. Well, you should sue. Well, I'll tell you what. I have sued. I've spent a lot of time and energy. It cost me a lot to file the suit, to run the suit. At the end of the day, there's no money to be had. So why did we sue in the first place? What do you think about all that? In what respect? In terms of just... Well, if you get wronged and you want to sue someone, it costs money on both. I mean, you may not win any... You may win this feel good. Yes, I did win. There may be no damages to... I'm not sure how this works, but it's not as easy as we say. If you said, I should sue, you should sue that person. It's, it's easy to say those words and it's very difficult to go through the process. It's really a long process. You need, and, and it's going to be, a, if, it's, if you file it, it's a public record. So you need to think about that. If you are an employee, you know, or have that, you know, do you want that on, you know, showing that, hey, I don't want to hire that person. They don't even have to tell you, you know, they just, as soon as they see you, going, ah, we're not even going to allow that application. But anyway, it's just, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of money. Um, that's where the mediation part comes in if you have an actual dispute. And that's the other qu question, and we don't have enough time to get into this, but should you even make a claim about anything, you know, in the first place? You know, so is it something that, you, you can probably just dismiss or get over, or is it something that really needs to bring? And then there's small claims and everything for there's a smaller claim. But back to this, you, the mediation part is where we resolve those claims instead of them having to go forward. So, um, and I'd like to, speaking of, I, I, I just want to talk about, you talked about Clubhouse and I, this brought, I want to talk about the women empowerment part. Yeah. Uh, I was, and I, for, so women, can disempower themselves very easily. And that puts them in a state of imbalance when they do that, when they're giving up their power. And so I happened to be in a, a clubhouse meeting one day and it was all women doctors. 
And actually, I got pinged in by my friend, Mitch Jackson, who said, Michelle, get in here. You got to be here. It's an unequal pay. I'm like, I'm busy. Oh, never mind. I'll jump in. <laughs> so I was in the middle of something, you know, but this. So as soon as I got in there and listened to doctor after doctor after doctor say almost the same things, which is they had been, they'd asked for a raise. These are powerful women. You can just tell when you're right there. They're saying, I'm not getting paid what my male counterparts are, or I'm not getting paid. And they would get this huge, you know, pushback. Um, and some would say, really? You aren't grateful for what you're getting paid now? And so I couldn't believe how oh. many. So this is 2021 when I was in that room. And wait, I'm wait, like, who is, the, who is the person saying you're not grateful? What was their? That was the, the boss, the, the supervisor or the man, the, whoever the manager is of the department, you know. So whoever's in charge. So it was the people they had to grovel to, let's put it that way, um, which is, by the way, should you have to even grovel in the first place? Your worth should be. This is the thing. It's like the worth just does get it gets ignored so many times. Um, but anyway, so I'm listening to all these people and I couldn't believe it. And I actually uh, I was out walking that night um, while I was listening and participating. And I, I, I literally started crying, thinking this many years later, you know, I'm no longer a lawyer, I'm a mediator and stuff. I thought, oh my goodness, how could this many powerful women with really phenomenal, oh, that's another thing, phenomenal backgrounds. Uh, many of them were like double, you know, double whatever, you know, the people that they were double working degrees. at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they were just so qualified, super, super power qualified. And so it was just despairing to hear that. Um, but at least what they did. So I wanted to talk about some, maybe some just tips I could bring on women yeah. empowerment. That's okay. Yeah. Thanks. So one of the things I see is, and I say number one, I think is so important is setting boundaries. And the number two, I'm pairing these together. Number two is clarity. And this will sound very familiar to you, Forbes. What do you want? Knowing what do you want? And it's probably not surprising to all of you, but very many people, I should say, don't really know what they want. So what happens is when you ask that question, it's like, well, I want respect. Well, what does respect mean? What does it look like? You know, what is that? What's the form it takes? You know, so it's getting clarity on what do you really want? Because a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, I'm not being paid enough. You know, you need to pay me more. And they'll say, you know, you know, why or what, et cetera. So it's having clarity on what you want. And that clarity, getting that clarity at that moment is so important because it's going to hold you up for the rest of the steps. And so the next part I wanted to talk about was um, stepping into your power and speaking, because a lot of people, this is where a lot of people play small. And so it's stepping into the power first. Remember, I just said you're, you're, the, the getting clarity will give you the confidence and, and that clarity in terms of what you want. And now you can sort of, maybe we'll call this manifestation. You can start putting it into that pot of what do you want? And you are powerful. And this is, you're gonna, this is what you're going to seek to get. And then speaking up. And I see so many people not speaking up or saying something that they think somebody else is going to understand that they're trying to get a message across. And that just never works. So stepping up into the power. And then also remember, when you're when you're i'll say pitching because you are pitching at that point we need a pitching for the medical field you know? <laughs> so it's you have to remember and this is what i hear all these women saying and they'll do this in my mediations too and they'll say i don't understand why i didn't get this promotion i i am this and i have death i've done all these different things etc and i've got this and i've got this degree whatever and i'm going you're missing the most important thing that's important and you're fabulous and i love you for that but they don't give a you know what. What they're looking for is what's in it for me. And they're looking for what, you know, if you were to say, 
you know that project we're working on, um, I can get that done in half the time because I've got this talent quit, you know, whatever, or I got this idea of how we superpower it, those kind of things. I'm just giving an example, you know, so it's what is in it for them return on investment? Well, we have through four minutes to close and you touched on something that I, I at some point need to unpack just as a show. I'm definitely a woman. I've been playing in a man's world and I would get intimidated. I was obviously incredibly talented at what I did, but I would get intimidated by men and confused in those conversations and not good with confrontation. Doesn't mean I'm not a great performer. If you're a great surgeon and a great doctor, doesn't mean that you're good at negotiation when it comes to a guy who's flexing his muscles and and you don't, I mean, literally the network that I built was sold for $500 million and I got a thank you. And I stood there thinking, but I would have given you, but it was not in writing, didn't feel he owed it to me. And it was not even a conversation. And I'm like, God, and I, I have a male counterpart that I work with and I watch him negotiate pieces of companies all day long. I'm going to tell you that there needs to be some sort of class and it's not pitching. It is literally a thing about how to be empowered. And I almost want to say that we as women need to role play because it's challenging for us, especially because we're sweet. We've got heart. We play the other person. It, it's And all the things that you said are true. I still wouldn't implement them the way a man would. And I, I don't have the answer to this because it doesn't mean that I'm not strong and can't teach what I do, but I would like to take that class. I would on, like to, yeah. You hit on something. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. Um, so thank you. Well, um, here's, and here's the last thing I'll leave you with, and this is going to be weird, but if you're a beautiful woman and you're in a, in a boardroom full of men, you don't get to go play golf with the CEO. You know why? Because his wife doesn't want you there, especially if you're good looking. And I always found that that was a very challenging thing. Again, my counterparts, people in my infomercial industry, they'd go out and buddy-buddy and drink and hang out. They did not want me. Uh, I did a huge event with a major man that we all know. All the men speakers were sitting at one part of the table. All the wives were over there. They looked at me and said, Forbes, I'm like, what? I'm a speaker like you guys. I'm not a, I'm not a spouse. They're like, oh, come on. And I ended up sitting with the wives. The What? And when I looked at them, they're all very beautiful and blonde. And I'm like, you guys, I'm sitting in the middle here because I'm not a guy. And I'm not a girl like that girl. And where's my coach at that moment? Says, and what do you do? You don't so want to cool. piss people off. So we have a whole new conversation, Michelle. So I have one book that's already published, which is called Women Who Empower. And there are 30 stories by 30 women authors. So anyone who is looking for you know, some empowerment or different ways, that's it, all you diverse, unique, different stories. Mine is about a legal career and it started with something that was horrible, horrible, horrible. And Wait, it turned out one minute, tell everybody the title where they can find it. That is Women Who Empower, it's on Amazon and you just put my name after that. Um, and you can, or you can go to my website. Well, I think that'll be whatever that will be. Oh, no, 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 give me your website. I'm gonna type it right. www.reinglass, R-E-I-N-G-L-A-S-S-A-D-R.com. <clears throat> All right, and we got 30 seconds. Tell everybody. I have another book publishing October 26th, which is Leading with Legacy. And I have a chapter of uh, Lessons from My Cat. And there's 20 women authors, and it's a legacy book. And then my own book on balance is coming out soon. Um, it's called How to Break Free from the Addiction to Busy. And that sort of ties in some of the stuff we talked about today. Wow, <laughs> there you go. And that's 30 seconds, guys. We are out. Apparently, the secret is if you don't have kids, you can write more books. Oi! <laughs> All right, you guys, you're listening to Forbes Rally here on the Forbes Factor. It's always an amazing conversation. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. 
thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.